I am Mike Cadlick, joined by my co-host Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, we are here to preview Patriots versus Colts coming up uh, this Sunday from Gillette Stadium. The three, four, and one Colts are here to visit the New England Patriots, who are four and four. Both teams kind of in that middling no man's land type of trying to fight for a wild card spot, but also trying to rebuild at the same time. The Colts have been through some some things over the last couple of weeks. We'll get into that in a second, but uh, we'll go through the injury reports that came out today. We'll take a look at how the Pats will attack these guys on offense and defense. And then we'll open it up for some Q&As for you all to uh, hop in, pop in the chat, and uh, we'll get going on you know, what you guys are thinking or what you guys want to know about the Patriots against the Colts this weekend. Uh, but let's start with the injuries as we do now every injury Thursday here on Patriots Beat. And we will start and we'll kind of just rattle off um, who was who were the DNPs, the limited, and the, and the full guys for both teams. And then we'll integrate who did and didn't practice um, into our offensive and defensive uh uh, analysis. So, first of all, with the Colts, the Colts had a uh, a tough day on the DNP list with uh, cornerback Tony Brown, tackle Dennis Kelly, Matt Ryan didn't practice. Uh, Grover Stewart was a resting day, so that's that's kind of just a just a um, what do they call it in the NBA? Maintenance uh, load day? management. Load, load management. management. Yeah, 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 load management. Yeah. yeah. Uh, linebacker Grant Stewart was out with a peck and running back Jonathan Taylor was out for a third straight day uh, with an angle injury. So it's looking like JT is not going to play for these guys, which would be huge for the Patriots on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Ryan Kelly was limited, the center. Um, and then Stefan Gilmore was a full participant. Uh, DeForest Buckner was also a full participant. Zach Moss is back after just getting traded to Indy. And uh, Quiddy Pay and Yannick Ngakwe as well um, were a full participant. So it looks like their D-line yeah. is going to be fully loaded up this week against the Patriots. Uh the big one I thought was Gilmore being back with the full participant. Uh, I know that it was it wasn't likely that he wasn't going to play, but uh, that's just a guy who's going to bolster their back end even more. Yeah, that's a guy. I mean, he can take away half the field, right? He can take away whoever right. he wants, and and we can get into how they're going to use him here in a little bit because I have some thoughts on that. But different, it's a different game when he's out there, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's the Colts again. We'll we'll talk we'll talk mainly about JT. Uh, maybe some guys along the defensive line who the Patriots will struggle with because uh, the Patriots had uh, an addition to the DNP list uh, today as Marcus Cannon was out with a concussion, along with David Andrews, the center, once again, a DNP on a Thursday. Looks like he's not going to get clear for Sunday either at this rate. Uh, Damian Harris, running back, uh, was out again with an illness, and Devontae Parker was out again today with his knee. So again, uh, I don't know, I haven't heard much about uh, Harris's uh what he's sick with, but that could be something that he, you know, gets through the next couple of days and ends up suiting up on Sunday. But that's something to monitor. Parker's knee obviously doesn't look good again. Uh, it's like unlikely he's going to play. Um, so those are the DNPs for the Pats. Right. Limited was Christian Barmore again. Kyle Duggar again. Pierre Strong with a hammy, which he hasn't seen the field other than special teams, but it's someone to have, especially if Harris isn't going to play. Um, watch out for Pierre Strong on the injury report again. Um, Dietrich Wise's ankle, uh, he was limited. And then removed from the list, which is a good sign always, is Devin McCourty, who he had a maintenance day as well. Adrian Phillips with the shoulder. Uh, and then Matt Slater was on there with a hammy yesterday, but he's uh, full go now. So um, anything stand out to you really besides, I mean, Marcus Cannon's the big one here. I think they're going to struggle again on the, the O-line, but uh, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, we, we can get into that a little more when we do the offense. Yeah. But yeah, Marcus Cannon apparently suffered a concussion Basically, in the last like 24, 30 hours, yeah. he was out of practice yesterday. The the 
media portion of practice. Like we only get to watch 10 minutes of what's a three hour practice or two hour, whatever it is practice. Uh, we get the very, very beginning of practice. So could have happened during practice could have happened after we don't know. I, I don't believe there's been anything reported. I just sort of got out of the car. So I apologize if there's something in the last 10 minutes. No, nothing it. more. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talk about, we can kind of use this to transition into. Yeah. Let's get right into the offense, the offense, uh, the Colts, uh, you know, I just talked about Gilmore and how great he is. The Colts' strength though, defensively is that defensive front led by DeForest Buckner, Yannick Ngakwe, Quiddy pay. It is another tough test for a Patriots offensive line coming off of, I would say the worst game of the year. And in, in my mind, maybe the worst game I've seen them have collectively, maybe there's individual efforts, but the worst game I've seen them have collectively in my five years covering the team. Looks like they're still going to be without David Andrews, who I think was, you know, his absence was a big reason that they were hurting. And now what are they going to do at right tackle? Marcus Cannon has kind of been that guy that has steadied them. When I, they have to bench Isaiah Wynn, Cannon hasn't been great, but he's been better than Wynn, who has been called for a league-high eight penalties this year. No player in the NFL has been flagged more than Isaiah Wynn this season. So does that mean they're stuck with Wynn? Will they give Yadnika just a chance after he was a healthy scratch last week? It's going to be a major test, and they're going to have to be willing to use everything they have at their disposal here, talking about keeping backs into block, tight ends into block, but uh, potentially losing Cannon, which it feels like, the way NFL concussion protocol works, it's going to be real tough to get him ready for Sunday. Right. Losing him could be a big blow. Yeah. And you think about it too that way, right? So like last week, um, Cannon comes in for win, wins on the bench as their swing guy across the line, and then Cole Strain struggles, right, at guard. So then, okay, it's easier for them to take a guy like Win and put him at guard with a, with a struggling Cole Strange because you have Cannon there to – obviously play the tackle position when whatever wins not there. Right. But now it's like, okay, cannons out now Wynn has to step up. And then what happens if strange gets beat five, six times again, like he did on Sunday against the jets. It's like, you don't really have that flexibility anymore with Andrews banged up as well. Like Ferentz can't be a swing guy on the inside anymore. Like they had used him for in the past. So it's they're They're very tight now. Um, depth wise on the offensive line. And like you said too, I guess it's good that they have, um, a Yadni could just back right to kind of be there just in case, but that shouldn't be the end all be all. And the thing that you rely on heavily here, as again, like you said, the Colts have this dominant defensive front. They have guys like Ngakwe and Pay and um, Buckner, right? Like they're going to get after these guys and they're going to struggle at times. And it's going to be sort of telling how they can potentially come back from it down the stretch during the game. Um, yeah. And yeah. then. The other part of that, just as, as far as how they attack this defense, right? It's like how, so now, right, you have Mac Jones and Mac Jones um, against the, I'm losing my mind, against the Bears, right? Gets, gets pulled, right. whatever, after the thing. We don't know exactly what happens, whatever, whether it was injury, whether it was this, not whatever. That's behind us. He gets his full game in against the Jets. Doesn't look great. You take a look back at the film, you, you know, you analyze what happened with some miscommunications and what have you. Turns out he actually looked okay, right? Like he was getting comfortable. Right. It's the next week now. How do we how do we continue to, you know, keep this train going with Mac Jones at the helm? Well, you protect him first and foremost right. to go in with what we just talked about, right? You got to keep him up, right? You got to give him a chance to compete. Uh, you talk about how we didn't think he looked good last week. A lot of that was, well, the Jets were on top of him the whole game. Right. It's going to be really interesting to see 
what the Colts do with Stephon Gilmore, because I think the recipe for easing Mac Jones in, and I think for a lot of quarterbacks is just, you know, find that favorite receiver, find that easy connection and exploit it. That's Jacoby Myers, obviously with the Patriots. Do the Colts leave Gilmore on the outside? And if Parker doesn't play, this becomes, you know, even more of an issue. Which I don't think he's at this rate. I don't think he's going to either. I agree with you. Do they leave Gilmore on the outside with Nelson Aguilar or Tyquan Thornton or Kendrick Bourne or whoever? Or do they take Stephon Gilmore and put him in the slot in this game and put him on Jacoby Myers? Because I look, I, I think Jacoby's had a fantastic year. I think he's a fantastic player. I'm taking Gilmore in that matchup. Right. I, I'm taking Gilmore to, you know, maybe not blank him, but certainly dominate that matchup. Now, now what is it? Right. Last right. week he threw to Gil, he threw to Myers 10 times. He threw to Stevenson eight and nobody else got more than two targets. So now is it just Ramondre Stevenson? Are you putting the whole game on Ramondre Stevenson's plate? Are you going to find ways to throw to the boundary? If you're going to do that, you need more time to throw. And then again, it comes back to the offensive line. So I think a lot of it comes down to if, if Gilmore's not on Jacoby Myers, if it's Kenny Moore. I was going to say though, Kenny Moore, that's, that was going to be my next point to kind of bounce off that. Kenny Moore's a really good slot corner in this league. Like, yeah. That's not, I, I still take Myers though. It's I do too, but it's Gilmore. a matchup. It's not, he's not Gilmore, but it's also not what we thought it was going to be against a guy like Kyler Gordon against the bears. Right. It's, yeah. It, I, it, it's a, it's competitive matchup. I'd say. I still think you can go volume. Like I, I'm not throwing, I'll throw volume on Kenny Moore. He'll win some, but I think he's not going to win any one rep clearly enough to the extent where like good pass are going to get picked off. And I think you'll end up ultimately making taking a profit if if you go volume against Kenny Moore. Fair. I'm not going volume against Stephon Gilmore. Right. I don't know that there's a coach or a quarterback that would. You cannot target Stephon Gilmore ten times. If you right. do that, you're asking for trouble. And this is where again, it would go beyond Mac Jones. If if that's the game plan they come in with, Mac's gonna get picked off multiple times. If that's what the coaches are telling him to do, he doesn't have a ton of choices. But. A, the, the game plan cannot be throwing volume at Stephon Gilmore. I don't care who the receiver is. I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care any of the other circumstances. If Stephon Gilmore is healthy, you cannot attack him in volume. You just can't do it. I feel like Belichick's smart enough to not bring the game, bring that into the game plan. With oh, what, for sure. With, well, with what hands? Is it up to I'm Belichick? Saying, well, with what hands he sort of has on top of this offensive staff, right? I mean, again, it. It feels more and more like it's, you know, it's become the Judge and Patricia show and what have you. And we, we've right. talked about that ad nauseum here. But especially having Gilmore here for so many years and Bill Belichick knowing what he did for this defense, winning a Defensive Player of the Year award and being a, an anchor on the outside for a Super Bowl. It's like he's going to get his nose in that offensive game plan room and be like, this is what we can't do. We need to see where they line up at Gilmore and we need to scheme ourselves out of it. And it's not going to be easy because, again, the defensive coordinator for the Colts is Gus Bradley, who he was he was a failed head coach in Jacksonville, but he's got like 30 plus years of experience in the league. He's a veteran defensive coordinator. He knows how to scheme scheme up a defense against the best of them. I mean, he start, he was with the Legion of Boom uh, in Seattle for those many years. Yep. He went to two Super Bowls. So like this isn't a chump on the other side of the defense. This this is the matchup I'm much, much, much more concerned about than them going against the Colts offense. Like this is this is the winner lose of the game right here is this offense against this defense because Bradley's a legit play caller. You yeah. and the point that I continue to look at now, and th- honestly, thanks to you, every time you know we we scout these these games up, right? It's do they have guys at every level? 
and the Colts have multiple guys at every level. Mate, linebackers, iffy, right? But they have Shaq Leonard, right. and that's one. And then they got guys like Gilmore and Kenny Moore on the back end, and then they have this dominant defensive front. So they're going to make it tough on the on the offense. So I'm I'm excited. I'm curious, and it should be interesting to see just how they do it. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events. Bet NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, I, I think a big part of this game, and I, like some of this is no duh. I kind of hate making these points because it applies to every football game, but I'd say it's more pronounced in this one. Patriots got to get a lead. The best thing yeah. that could happen to the Patriots in this game is they get ahead because it allows them to run the ball, which what was it? Ramondre had, I think it was 76 yards last week, 86 yards after contact. However many yards he had rushing. Right. He had 10 more yards after contact. So if the offensive line can't hold up, if you can at least run the ball, Ramondre is going to create, he's going to create right. opportunities for you offensively. Well, you know, Will it be enough to close the game out? It depends on what the score ultimately looks like, but you'll get something without the offensive line necessarily showing up. And then on the flip side, if you get ahead, you force Sam Ellinger to throw, which is a best case scenario, right? right. You force Texas Ian Book to throw the football, which is exactly <laughs> what the Patriots want to see happening. So I, you want to get up in any game. Obviously you're trying to win the game. The goal right. is they should score more points than the other team. Yeah, thanks. But this is a game, especially where, you know, it, it feels like whoever scores first wins kind of game. There's not going to be a ton of points scored. Both of these teams want to run the football. They want to shorten the game. This is a game where scoring first is even more important than right. it usually is. Yeah. And again, like, I mean, I just go back to kind of the, the points I had just kind of gone off, right? It's like, it's not like a, you know, when you when you think about the game as a whole and it's, okay, all we got to do is score first because it is Sam Ellinger and Deion Jackson on the other side and it's no longer Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor for what Matt Ryan is, right? It's like, oh, th this this is easy. Let's just go get our points. But I, I think they're going to – it's going to be low scoring and I don't think it's going to be as easy as – not that you said it's going to be easy, but it's like they're going to have to scheme up ways to go down and score and get it done right away. And they've been pretty good at that with their scripted drives every so often this year, whether it's out of the half, whether it's through the beginning of the game. But like last week, I know they didn't score till later on. They kind of turned it on in the second half. It's so, yeah. I mean, again, it's, and then I also think too, like what you just said, they want to be able to do that so they can run the football. If Harris can't play, it's going to be the workload on Stevenson again. And it's like, that's going to, I've kind of just come to terms with this at this point. They're going to do it and he's going to fade down the stretch. And then everybody's going to be like, what happened to Ramondre Stevenson? As if I wasn't telling them for a month, but right. This is what it is at this point. I'm uh, a guy that I kind of want. And I don't know why. And I, I wonder about it, but like a guy like Pierre strong, can he not handle a, a scat back running back to kind of couple carries a game because they just haven't given it to him whatsoever. I mean, that that's, it's how they've always been with rookie running backs, non-first-round guys. He was right? the, yeah, he was the anomaly. It was Stevenson R last Ramondre year. Ramondre was only the second 
rookie back non-first round pick for the Patriots under Belichick to have over a hundred touches as a rookie. The other was J.R. Redmond all the way back in 2000. So, I mean, this, every time I hear the name J.R. Redmond, I just think of John Madden in the, uh, the 2000 Super Bowl. Yeah. Cause his, the dump offs with Brady, yeah. but go ahead. But, yeah. No, this is how they, this is just how they operate. This is, is and, and for the record, if they do get one of those backs more involved, I think it will be Kevin Harris. Because Ke- I think Pierre Strong is essentially redshirting to take over the James White role and reduce Ramondre's workload next year, uh, kind of be that second guy sure. um, in in that role. I think Kevin Harris is the guy that they see as the early down, just put your head down and go back. So we, we actually we saw it earlier this year, right? It was Kevin Harris briefly against Cleveland. Right. But yeah, I, I'd love to see them give one of those guys an opportunity. I'm just not holding my breath on it. Or a JJ Taylor. I mean, we JJ Taylor's been lost in the shuffle here. Who's? He, I mean, he's I'd a, rather he's see a, Kevin Harris. Honestly, I'd rather. So, see I mean, Kevin Harris. maybe I would, but it's but we're not seeing either of them. And it's like JJ Taylor's been in the system before, Fair. and he's made some plays here. So, I mean, it, he's not great. He hasn't been superb, but we. You would think that they see that the workload on Ramondre is incredibly high right now. So, give a guy who's been here before a chance to just. Just take some snaps, whether they're passing. To, and it, again, it's like it's tough because you want to have the protection there and a guy you trust to, you know, be able to chip off a block or. I mean, especially you know, in this game. Exactly. So, I mean, they're struggling in the running back department. They're struggling on the uh, the offensive line. So it, it's going to be it's not going to be smooth sailing on offense, but they do. Like you said, I agree with you. They do have to get out to a lead lead against this this Colts offense. Um Anything more on how they can kind of scheme these guys up and what you think just from an offensive perspective and what any more keys to the game here before we transfer into defense? I mean, go ahead. Um, no, I think I pretty much got it all. Yeah. This game's on the other side. This game specifically is really on the other side of the ball. It's really um, the, the, the Patriots defense versus the Colts offense, I think. Right. Yeah. And let's get into that because – this right, this this offense and defense, I think is they. It's like I think personally, it's going to be won or lost on this side of the ball because right. I think that the defense is so much, so much, so much better than this Colts offense. The Colts offense is a mess right now. They just fired their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, seemingly another scapegoat in this long, long line of like, um. Chris Ballard bringing in quarterbacks and them not working and bringing in Reich's guy and hurt and Andrew Luck going down and then uh, Jacoby Brissett coming in. And it's just, it's been an endless shuffle of old aging middling quarterbacks, whether it's Phillip rivers or uh, like we said, Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz. And it, it's not working. They fire their offensive coordinator. Um, Zach Kiefer from the athletics said that, um, Frank Frank Reich is going to absorb a lot of the offensive coordinator responsibilities here going forward, which makes sense. I mean, he was yeah. Doug Peterson's right hand man. Plays, right? Yeah, but I'm saying like just in general, like he's you know grabbing hold of grabbing the reins basically, right? And right. I mean, again, this is a guy who was Doug Peterson's right hand man when they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots a couple years ago. I know things change. It's not oh, just grab that playbook and run it. But Reich knows how to beat these guys. Um, we'll see what happens there, but. Like I said, Matt Ryan, whether he's hurt, whether he's benched, whether it's both, he's gone, and it's Hook'em Horns, Texas Longhorns, Sam Ellinger, second uh, second year fourth-round pick out of Texas at the helm for the Colts. Um, let's start with Ellinger. What do you think of him? What have you seen? And do, do you trust him against this Patriots defense at all? 
Texas Ian Book, man. I, I was yeah. not a Sam Ellinger guy when he was coming out. I, I you know, Tim Tebow-ish, probably closer to Colin Klein. That's a name some Colin people Klein. might have to go to the Google machine oh, yeah. for. I, I really did not see much of him as a passer at Texas. Like, he can throw the ball far. There's no control behind it. Yeah. Um, he can run. Now, he's not fast. Mac actually ran a faster 40 time than he did. But he's he's a power back. I know people don't think of running quarterbacks as power backs. They think of right. like fast quarterbacks. No, he will put his shoulder into and force you to tackle him. Like he runs the right. ball like a power back, which you know teams might not be ready for. Tim Tebow's play- a good example there, like you said, because the guy yeah. who's not it's not blazing speed Lamar Jackson, but it's like he's not gonna slide, right. he's gonna lower your shoulder, and he's gonna run a QB power into your face. When you put him in the read option with Jonathan Taylor and you can kind of get defenses flowing away from him, there, there's something there. I, to me with him, again, they've got it. They can't do what they did against the Bears and create open rushing lanes because he'll take them. you got to be disciplined in the pass rush. Let him take the ball when they run those option plays. Let him run it because, again, he's not that fast. He's not going to outrun defenders. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing to stop Sam Ellinger is just tackle him. The Patriots have the third most missed tackles in the league this year. And if there's one thing Sam Ellinger can do, and this is, you know, when you scout quarterbacks, this is the first trait you go to tackle breaking ability. He, the one thing Sam Ellinger can do is, is muscle his way out of tackles. So when for the Patriots defense, when they get to him, they have to bring him to the ground because if you start letting him extend runs, it, everything's going to become more dangerous because now you have to keep another eye on him. That read option, even if it's not Jonathan Taylor, that read option then goes to another level. They can start going play action off of that. You have to, have to, have to, have to tackle Sam Ellinger when you get to him. If they do that, right, and they don't let him scramble, like they can kind of do what they did with Zach Wilson last week. If you just hem him in and basically force him to make a decision throwing the football, he's probably going to make the wrong decision. And even if he makes the right one, he's not necessarily going to get the ball there. Right. You just... You can't give him free opportunities. That's the biggest thing. You don't give him any reason to get comfortable. Right. And building off like what you said, just on, you know, being able to maybe scheme up a read option scenario with Sam Ellinger and Jonathan Taylor. It looks like Jonathan Taylor's not even going to play here. So it's going to be, they're going to rely on likely. And they just traded. They'll take the backs to whoever the running back is. Let, let, if Sam Ellinger is going to run the ball 20 times in this game, let him run the ball 20 times. Right. I'm comfortable with that. Right. Well, especially uh, the point being here is that Jonathan Taylor, you know, whether you look at his fantasy numbers and that's what people focus on on the, in Twitter and all that garbage, right? But like Jonathan Taylor, when he's healthy, is a good running back. He just hasn't been able to get healthy this year. It's not like he's bad by any means. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL. They're losing him. They also just traded Naheem Hines, their backup slash third down scat running back. So now they got Zach Moss back in return, who is at practice, but he hasn't been in the system yet on a team that's depleted at offensive coordinator and offensive staff as it is. So it's like you're looking at a rookie, Deion Jackson, who might have to take some carries. Jordan Wilkins is a guy they drafted a couple years ago who they just signed the other day, who he had played some good football for the Colts a few years back. But, I mean, he was essentially on the street and they just brought him in. So this feels like, Get after this team. Uh, it, you focus on Ellinger as a runner. Is it Ellinger? Ellinger? Ellinger I always say Ellinger. 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 I, I'll yeah. probably keep saying Ellinger three, four, five times as we go. But keep Ellinger in the pocket. Don't let him get away. Make him make decisions because the running backs are down. 
The offensive line looks like they're a little bit depleted as well with Ryan Kelly and Dennis Kelly both nursing some injuries. And even at that, it's like, and we can kind of, let's, we can go into those a little bit more, just how they potentially defend the receiving core here. I mean, Michael Pittman's pretty good, but then it's like, you got a rookie Alec Pierce and then you're defending well, Allie Cox, who's a former basketball player playing tight end. So again, I don't want to just, I don't want to just dumb down Mo Alley Cox to a basketball player because he's been pretty good here in the NFL in their cold system for a while, for a few years now. So, I mean, he's a, he's a solid tight end, right? But I don't even think he's a Tyler Conklin like they faced off against last week. And if you get Duggar back, I think you can match up against these guys uh, in the secondary as well. So a couple of things. First off, Mo Alley Cox now guaranteed to score a touchdown, whatever the odds are on him, yeah. touchdown anytime because Mike slept on Robert Tunyon. <laughs> He then slept on Tyler Conklin. He's now sleeping on yep. Mo Alley Cox. And by the way, I would take uh, Mo Alley Cox over Tyler Conklin. Probably about the same tier, but okay. Uh, Mo Alley Cox, he's a little better with the ball in his hands. He, he's like low key slippery. Yeah. The interesting thing is, so I'm Mo just Alley not a tight Cox, end guy. I'm just sorry. To, I'm just not a tight end guy. It's like that's I think a shame. I'm, it's one of the best positions in football. I, you were a I quarterback. Love How are you not a tight end guy? I love the position, but I just think in the league, it's like it's Mark Andrews, it's it's Travis Kelsey, it's Darren Waller sometimes, and then it's like everyone's just all the same after that. And I think they're easily defendable. I, I think they might all be the same, but I think they're clearly not that bad. I, no, I Tanyan was the I, one that killed me. Like. Conklin, yeah. I get. Mo Ali Cox, I get. I still can't believe you're out on Tunyon. But anyway, that's fair. And again, you're right. Just I, I, I trashed the both of them, and they ended up scoring. So again, it's likely that so, Ali Cox ends go, up scoring here. But right, go get us the odds. Mo Ali Cox, anytime yeah. touchdown scorer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the interesting thing is, so Mo Ali Cox is their starting tight end, and he plays the majority of he plays the majority of the snaps of the tight end position. He's only played fifty percent of the snaps this year. They rotate the tight ends quite a bit. Uh, a guy who's played 48, I think it's 48, 46, 48% of the snaps is Kylan Granson, second-year tight end. He's actually the guy they throw the ball to. So they've targeted him 26 times. They've only targeted Mo Alley-Cox 16 times. And they'll get the rookie Jelani Woods involved as well. He has 10 Woods targets. was the other guy I was going to mention too. So, yeah. again, it's not the 2011 Patriots. But until I can see this team defend tight ends, I'm going to keep saying it's something we need to watch. Especially, and Kyle Duggar's trending towards playing, which is great. Right. But if he doesn't, Mo Alley Cox is good enough to get o- to get over on them. Like again, he's about in that tier of Tyler Conklin, who tore them up. Probably should have had over 100 yards. I mean, there were two instances where Zach Wilson missed him bad in the intermediate part of the field with room to run. So the interesting thing to me, Kylan Granson is has gotten the most targets, but I, I look at Mo Alley Cox. I look at Jelani Woods. Mo Alley Cox has 11 catches, two for touchdowns. Jelani Woods has six catches. Three of those are for touchdowns. Those two guys have combined more than half of the Colts re- receiving touchdowns this year. Now, and I'll put this disclaimer to everything I'm about to say about the Colts offense, because we don't know what it's going to look like. New offensive right. coordinator, new quarterback. They may change a lot. They are throwing to these tight ends in the red zone. So, and and those are the second and third tight ends. So even if you do have Kyle Duggar on Kylan Granson and he's taking away Kylan Granson, you still need other players to cover the other tight ends, which the Patriots have struggled to do. Those two guys are going to be factors in the red zone. You can't, you know, the red zone is where Sam Ellinger is going to be dangerous because he can tuck and run, right? Right. You don't want him to feel comfortable throwing the ball in the red zone. You want him to feel like he has to run so you can kind of put more resources towards that. So 
again, defending the tight end position is still something to watch. Until they prove that it's not an issue, it's going to be something to watch. Right. I'm also curious to see even if Taylor doesn't play and they do end up uh, running the ball. I'm just I'm going back into the injury report to kind of tie those in together here too because yeah. if I mean Taylor doesn't play and you're you're rotating these guys here for Indy, but I mean Dietrich Dietrich Wise, um, Christian Barmore, and Josh Uche all limited at practice. I mean. I don't know. We'll see, and hopefully they can get Bomber back because he's a run stuff machine. But if two, three, two or three of these guys don't end up playing, that's a tough blow to your front seven here. And I know Judon's been great, and I know Guy's been solid, but Guy's been banged up this year. It's it's week nine, and you can tell that the injury bugs around for not just the Patriots, but every team in this league. So right. I mean, everyone's going to struggle with it. But um, that's I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how they can stop the run even without Jonathan Taylor. Um, because two, it, again, it's like, it seems like it's going to be a battle of the, not, not necessarily a battle of backups, but like a battle of banged up teams because I mean, Dennis Kelly didn't participate for them at tackle Ryan Kelly, who Ryan Kelly. And I feel like over the last several years, the Colts offensive line has been really, really good. Like Ryan Kelly, yeah. ever since the luck, luck went away. And before that, they used to get him killed, but you draft Quentin Quentin Nelson. You have Ryan Kelly from uh, Bama. It's like they they really and uh, who was the kid from Costanzo? Anthony Costanzo from yeah, BC. Costanzo, yep. They had they had a they had a good bunch there for a while. But I mean, a guy like Ryan Kelly, I feel like he's fallen off a little bit over the last several years. Quentin Nelson, as good as he is as a guard, it's like I, I, you don't see you don't see his highlights of him throwing guys through through uh, through the second level anymore like you used to. So I mean, he's still solid, but. I don't see the the Colts offensive line being as good as they were in the past. So as long as the Patriots can get healthy, I think they're going to be able to stuff this run, but it, it remains to be seen, and it's going to be because of the injuries. So when they played last year, right, John Taylor had 170 rushing yards in that game. Do you know yeah. how many of those yards came before contact, before he was touched by a defender? I don't know, but I do know that he did have that really long run in the end, so that was – so I, I don't know. He, he, he broke a tackle at the second level. So some of this is that run, but not all oh, of it. Okay. Okay. He had 104 yards after, uh, before contact last year of 170. Wow. Okay. The thing about Jonathan. So there's two things here. If Jonathan Taylor does play the thing about him. He's a very powerful runner. If you let him break clean through the line and you let him build up ahead of steam, getting in that second level, he's a real tough guy to bring down. Even if it's not Jonathan Taylor, that's 104 rushing yards where the back was essentially irrelevant. Right. Those right. 104 yards, I'll go to the offensive line. Right. Can't have that. You just right. can't exactly. have that. And I'm not saying that the Patriots defensive line needs to bring the ball carrier down at the line of scrimmage or they're screwed, but you need to at least get hands on him. So by the time he gets to that second level, whether it's Juwan Bentley, Kyle Duggar, whoever's back there, Anthony Jennings, Jelani Tavaya, it's just a cleanup job. Right. Yeah. The guy's stumbling, he's off balance, whatever it may be. That they, the defensive line could not even touch the running backs last year as they were going right. by. They couldn't even get a hand on them to swipe them as they were going by. We'll see if Christian Barmore returns. He'd obviously be a big part of that, but the defensive line needs to win at the point of attack. That's how they're going to stop the running game. Win at the point of attack. 100%. Um, anything else on this defensive game plan before we... I think it's good. We'll, we can open this up to Q&A for everyone, but any any last thoughts on sort of how they how they beat this Colts offense? Um, did you, do you mention Paris Campbell? I'm a big Paris Campbell fan. 
Okay, no, I mentioned so, Pittman and Pierce. I didn't. I didn't touch on Campbell. I, I. I mean, I'm just a fan of his. He's the one guy that that probably worries me. I like Pittman too, but he's the guy that worries me maybe more than anybody else. Um, I'd go Jalen Mills on Pittman, uh, Jonathan Jones on Campbell, and then Jack Jones on Alec Pierce. That's just how I'd line it up. But uh, don't yeah. sleep on Paris Campbell. Good player. Good. Yeah. Good versatile receiver. He's someone who. I think he was – was he a first-round pick? I believe he was. He, he was I one of the he, first um, Penn State guys under um, – what's his name? The wide receivers coach there. Why am I uh, – he, he played in the league. Reggie Wayne. No. Um, he was teammates with him. Um, and he's been chur- – Brian Hartline, right? Oh, yeah, okay. Brian Hartline's been churning out like all – you know, we saw it. Last year with 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 Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and they've got like three guys coming this year. Paris yeah. Campbell's second round pick, 59th overall, okay. but he was kind of at the beginning of that uh Ohio State resurgence there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, another guy again to watch out for. They have the like you said, they have the speed to cover him in Jonathan Jones. Jones is a, a guy who I liked his quote today too when he said we, we're not allowed to think about the, the yeah. bye week where we're on indie. So I mean, I'm a huge John Jones guy. He's fast, he, he's able to cover guys, like you said, like a like a quick Paris Campbell type player. So um, someone to watch, don't, don't sleep on them, but I think the Pats have the, the ability to do it. Um, so what we're going to do here, we're going to have you guys a listen to me talk about LinkedIn, our sponsors here, but in the meantime, also fill the chat with some questions um, so we can answer them about uh, what's going to happen this weekend with uh, Pat's Colts. But in the meantime, let's talk about our friends at LinkedIn because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media, and they make it super easy to post your jobs. Then you just add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. We're entering bye week territory here, Alex, which means 2022 is coming to a close. And there's no better way to wrap up the year than by adding a new team member. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Let's see what we got here. Right at the bottom. This one's good. The starting O-line this week is Alex. What do you say? Tackle Trent Brown. Guard on Wenu. Center Ference. Guard Strange. Well, no, it would be Brown, Strange. Yeah, okay. Ference. Well, sure. Brown, Strange, Ference on Wenu. They're going to start when? Like, they're, yeah. they, they, there's no indication. They started them last week. It's clearly still his right. job. But right. I bet we see Yadni Kajas by second half. Yeah. Uh, there's, so I you, wish they could move Mike Onwenu out to right tackle. There's just really, especially if Marcus Cannon's out, Chasing Hines on IR. There's just no way to do it because you don't have a right guard on the roster. Right. Yeah. It's so you're just uh, you you're assuming and saying that it's going to be a bleep show for Isaiah Wynn and they're going to have to pull him. I mean, that's what it's been the last. You know, no, I know. The I'm, last I'm, five weeks. Why would it be anything different? I'm 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 just clarifying that you. Start win because it's you kind of have to and you have and then oh well it didn't work again and then we just go to adjust. I mean I think it that's probably what they will do, but at that point it's like just give the guy the shot at the beginning of the game. I know he's coming off IR and you might not want to play him a full game already, but 
again, we'll, I don't I disagree. Guess. I wish they would have done that with Keaton yeah. in the last couple weeks. Right. Um, Tyquan Thornton in the red zone. Do you see them scheming anything up for Tyquan Thornton in the red zone? I mean, they did it. They did it in the. Uh, I don't think they were officially in the the red zone a couple weeks ago when they gave him the handoff, but that was like a. I think yeah, it was like 23 a third yard line. Yeah, it was like the 23 yard line. They gave him a quick a quick end around. I mean, that was that was them scheming him up in the red zone, sort of just like get get us this these 20 yards and you know book it right and right. I mean, what do you see and what they kind of what they can do with him in the red zone or anyone in the red zone? Yeah, I mean, he's looked good in the red zone. You go back to the pass he caught in the preseason, the the touchdown he caught from Bailey Zappi against Cleveland. I mean, he's good at you got to be able to ad lib in the red zone. You got to be able to adjust based on what the defense is giving you. Right. There's not a lot of space. You got to find it where you can. He's been good at that. So, right. I, you know, I'd like to see them get him more involved. They have to get to the red zone. That has been an issue. I mean, maybe they're getting to like the 18, 19 yard line, but. They got to get down there first before they start throwing right. to people down there. Let's. I, how about using him to get down there, and then we can talk about using him in the red zone. I agree. It's like you, you have this guy who can who can beat someone downfield for fifty yards, and it, we've we've complained about their their downfield passing here. But when you have a guy like when you're doing it to Aguilar and Parker, that's different than scheming it up for a guy like Tyquan Thornton who has who has the wheels to beat. Anyone in the league, essentially, at a corner at the quarterback position, fifty yards downfield. Um, do you want to do this trade talk or, or draft talk? What tackle do you like? In the yeah, draft I, I, next year. I mean, uh, what's his name? Skaronsky from Northwestern is going to be the best tackle in the draft. Generational yeah. prospect. I, I hope that they're not picking high enough to take him. I think that would be a massive problem. Um, Skaronsky, right? Peter Skaronsky. Yeah, uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia. It to me is a, is a name to know just because Georgia guy, multiple position guy. I know people are going to be like, "Oh, they just took Isaiah Wynn from Georgia. What are you doing?" Broderick Jones can kind of play. My personal favorite is Dewan Jones. Uh, uh, Dewan Jones from Ohio State. They don't take a lot, a lot of Ohio State guys, so right. I don't know how realistic this is, but take out the Ohio State element of it. Six eight, three eighty can play left and right, has played in multiple offensive schemes, can pull, can move. He's, ba- he's, he's basically just Trent Brown. I mean, he reminds me a ton of Trent Brown, at least where Trent Brown was, uh, you know, coming into the league in his first couple of years with the Patriots even. So right now he's projected like an eight for late first, early second. We'll see what happens when he gets to the combine. <laughs> but uh, Dewan Jones is my, you know, all things considered is my favorite tackle in the draft this year. And and there you go. It's another Jones guy for whoever just brought that up in the chat. You get another Jones on yeah, the roster. Add it to the list. We're gonna have to start. To, we're gonna have to start putting first initials w- on the back. I wish the NFL still did that. That was cool back when they yeah. did that. I like that. Yeah, I think so too. But you'd have Mac would have his full name on his jersey. He would right, have he Mac would. Jones because Marcus Jones would have M A R and Mac would have M A C. That would be cool. That's like J D Martinez. How he has J D Martinez in the back of his jersey. Um. We can save uniform and jersey talk for another day, but me and me and Alex could have our own full podcast on uniform talk at this. It'll reason. happen um, eventually. It will. Um, staying pat at the deadline was that a good move or not for the Patriots? Yeah, I, I think for the most part it was. I kind of talked about this on Tuesday, right? You don't make a trade don't make just a for move. the sake of making a trade. Right? You don't get this guy off the roster is really stupid logic for making a trade. The one guy would have liked to see the move was Isaiah Wynn because I think it would have been addition by subtraction. But 
I'm perfectly fine with them not making a move. What about a guy like Brandon Cooks right now? Who again? This Couldn't might have him. just been Couldn't afford him. It was a second and a fourth that I think I saw reported. No, that I they mean wanted, like cap wise, gonna... they couldn't have afforded him. Well, what I was that was they wanted the second and a fourth, and they also didn't want to pay his salary, so that's why right. he didn't end up getting moved, and he's way too expensive. The Patriots couldn't afford him, but in theory, a guy who has been in the system before for a team that again they're deep at receiver, but they're not that great at receiver. Cooks is a guy who. I think gets kind of a bad rap because he's been bouncing around the league forever, but he's like a consistent thousand yard receiver every single season he plays. Like he's really good and he just, it's like he continues to get lost in no man's land and sort of feel like he deserves better. Well, the problem with Brandon Cooks was he got one, he's, I think he's a good player. I, so it's funny, you know, to bring it back, go back to the end of the 2017 season and the Saints had both Michael Thomas, who was coming off that monster year, and Brandon Cooks, who'd had two very right. good years as a young player. And basically, neither of them were happy because they both wanted to be a number one. And mm-hmm. I think it was really Michael Thomas who pushed it and said, I want more touches. And, and they had to trade one of them. I said at the time, and I took a ton of heat for this because Michael Thomas had just been awesome. They traded the wrong guy. They, they should have stuck with Brandon Cooks, built around him, traded Michael Thomas. And I got heat for that take for about two years. Yeah. I think I was right. I still think I was right. They kept the wrong guy. Uh, what happened with Brandon Cooks was he got overpaid by the Rams. Yeah. And he's a very good, like, I think he's a top 20 receiver in the league, but he's getting top five receiver money. And unless you were a contending team in the last year of a win now window, that contract made no sense. So he right. kind of kept getting past team to team. And now he's just landed in Houston that doesn't know what to do with him. So it's a damn shame that his career has been wasted the way it has because I think he's a really special talent. And I know that he'd call it wasted. He made a ton of money. But right. um, I'd love to see him back here at some point to, if, if it ever became possible. He, he's yeah. a fantastic player. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of his. To push back a little bit, I think that peak Michael Thomas is better than Brandon Cooks. So would Cooks you rather long- have – the one year Michael Thomas did or like the six years Brandon Cooks did? Well, that's what I'm saying. But, I mean, you you can you can compare it two different ways, right? I mean, at their peak, Michael Thomas okay. is a better player. But here's but. the point I'm making. And first of all, I don't think by much. I think he was in a really, really good system. Right. Um, no, I, I agree with you there, too. You're, but. you're, you're the Saints in, in January 2017, right? You, you have both – you can trade either one. The returns are about even. Who are you – go back in time and you get to make that decision. Knowing what you know now, who are you trading? Oh, no. I mean, knowing what you know now, you're, you're going to you're gonna keep Cook strictly for the longevity. But yeah. – they, they kept the wrong guy. They were wrong. They kept the wrong guy. Fair point. All right. I'll take it. No. Uh, offensive and defensive MVPs for this team so far. I'm going to say right off the bat – Yeah. Offense is obvious in Stevenson. I yeah, think, I, like sneaky though, sneaky. The offensive line's been bad. Without Michael and when it would be atrocious. And yeah, he's okay. been put on an island this year because David Andrews, almost ninety more ninety percent of the time, is moving to his left to help Cole Strange, which is the right, right call. Right, and rookie in the first got, year of a system, g- give him right. help and right. And then to his right, he's got Isaiah Wynn, who's not doing anything. So, right. and he's in, be- in between that, on his own, on an island, he's been excellent. So, Stevenson is the MVP. I don't disagree, but 
uh, uh, Mike Onwenu is is one A. Like he's been. I don't want people to lose track of how good he's been this year. He deserves a ton of credit. He's been yeah. excellent. Another guy on offense too is uh, I mean Jacoby Myers is having another year for himself, yeah. and he's yeah. he's proven that he's gonna get he's gonna get a bag from whether it's the Patriots or not. He's gonna he's gonna get it. But defensively, I think that everyone is gonna say Matthew Judon, but I think it's Kyle Duggar. I think you you see that. I mean, we haven't been able to see it with Judon because obviously Judon Judon hasn't been hurt this year. But when Duggar's on the field, the defense is so much better, and they just yeah. they attack the run. They covered space better with these tight ends and they they i feel like everything's just more secure with kyle duggar back there when he's out it seems like a mess so i think he's their most valuable player so if you want to talk about judon like judon's been the best player i if you want to like highlight the the definition of valuable right what is value and all of that um it's it's kyle duggar the drop off when he's not on the field is is striking they need like they can't they they can't afford to be without him that much right um, let's continue searching for some cues here. This one is, is Patricia evolving this offense? More motion and scheming players open. So what I'll say is, I mean, I don't like the direction the offense is going. There's been bits and pieces of improvement slowly since they sort of decided that it's not Zappy's team and it's Max team. Um, Again, there was some there was some hot and cold times during the Jets game, but one specific play that I really liked, and I saw Dan Orlovsky from ESPN broke it down a little bit further today on Twitter, but it was the fourth down on the goal line on the Myers touchdown. And that was some really good scheme scheming from the Patriots offense. They they ran they were in eleven personnel, so they had one running back, one tight end. But what they did was they had a bunch set to the left, a short bunch to the left. Try and try and visualize this here as I explain this. But they had a short bunch to the left, running back in, and they had. And I'm saying to you, and I'm also saying to the listeners, not not necessarily right. you, but I'm just. It's it's tough to not map it out. But short, uh, short bunch to the left, Henry to the right, ISO. But they swap Stevenson and uh, Myers, so they put Myers in the backfield, and so instantly the 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 defenders are scrambling, and they they're trying to figure out who covers who, and whether they use a linebacker on Myers or they switch it up with make sure your linebackers on Stevenson or what have you. And as they try to figure that out, they motion Myers out. And so they motion Myers up and across the formation. And then he's in a, a dual set with, with Henry. And so as they're figuring out who to match up Myers with, he's now in motion flanking across the other side of the field. And so then they're, the defense is even messed up even more because they don't know who to send Fourth and one, Max snaps the ball as there's a, guy, there's a guy trailing Myers and flips it out to Myers easily and scores a touchdown. So that's something that I hadn't seen from them with Mac at the helm anyway, is getting creative like that. And so that's that's one way that I've seen. They've schemed players open a little bit more, and they did it there really well. And so I'm looking forward to seeing some more creativity like that moving forward. But that's one that stood out to me from last week anyway. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Just, you know, more RPOs too. there's some of it there and it's stuff that he's taking when they went back from, from when Mac came back from injury, right. They went from Bailey Zappi to, to Mac Jones. We talked about, you know, will Mac get to run the offense Zappi was running. And instead of just staying with that offense, it looks like they're slowly putting those pieces back in. I don't get why they're doing it that way, but it does seem like they are bringing some of that stuff back in. Yeah. Um, let's, 
Let's see if there's anything more. I think we can end it with this one, and it's this is more just let's discuss kind of where where we can go from here. Should they hire a real offensive, not a real offensive line coach, but instead of assigning that to Patricia? I mean, they also have this Billy Yates who's there on the offensive line. Yeah, it seems like he's been their offensive line guy with Patricia taking over the reins on offense. But I mean, the easy answer here, and it's going to be like this forever, and it's oh, let's just bring back Dante Scarnecchia. That guy's done. That guy's retired. He He's wherever he is, has his feet up on the couch, calling into radio stations and, you know, doing what have you. But he's not going to come back. I mean, what do you think? Is it, is this more an injury thing or is this a more a scheme thing on the offensive line and why they're struggling, I guess? Injuries injuries are a part of it, but I, I, I do think it's you're asking a lot of Matt Patricia right now. The name to keep an eye on is Brian Ferentz. He is the offensive coordinator at Iowa right now. His dad, Kirk Ferentz, is the head coach. Mm-hmm. His brother, James, is, you know, David Andrews' backup, now the starting center for the Patriots. Yep. Uh, so Brian played at Iowa under Kirk Ferentz, bounced around the NFL for, I think, like two years. He was on practice squads, came to the Patriots, was a quality control coach with the Patriots. He was then the tight ends coach in 2011, you know, that year. Went back to Iowa, was the OL coach there, then was promoted to, I think, the running backs coach. Eventually picked up the offensive coordinator tag. He's now the quarterback's coach as well. Iowa's offense is atrocious with him as the offense coordinator. They rank uh, going into last week. I haven't checked the updated numbers. They were 128th in scoring out of 131 teams. He's going to be, he's going to go, but his dad's not going to fire him. And there was a report from Pete Thamel on college game day last week that he's been looking at NFL positional jobs as a way to kind of get out from Iowa without getting fired a guy who played offensive line, who's coached offensive line, you know, a son of one of Belichick's friends, a brother of somebody on the team, a guy who's coached here before. I would keep an that eye makes too on much sense in the world. Brian Ferentz coming back here at some point after college football season and then moving forward. You know, maybe it's not for the end of the 2022 season, but moving forwards uh, in, in some sort of offensive line coaching role. I mean, it would really not surprise me if we saw that uh, at some point in – I don't know, call it the next six months. That's why we do the show, Alex. That's that's the insider stuff that you don't yeah. get anywhere else. So good stuff, good good thought process there on, you know, just reading those tea leaves, which we try to do for you guys is here as much as possible. So uh, that's our Q&A. Thanks for, thanks for populating the chat and giving us some giving us some quick, quick hitters there. Um, before we wrap this up, let's talk Thursday Night Football, what's going to happen tonight. Yep. Uh, because the Eagles are at the Texans. We mentioned uh, a little bit, that their receiver room is kind of a mess. Brandon Cooks is out tonight. He wanted to get traded, and he's no longer there. Or not no longer there, rather, but he's not suiting up tonight. Um, Nico Collins is also hurt. He's a second-year receiver out of Michigan who seemed like a second, a secondary, you know, solid piece to Brandon Cooks there for Davis Mills to kind of throw to. Um, but home dogs, and they are 14-point underdogs. The Eagles are favored by two touchdowns tonight. The total sits at 45 and a half. Uh, the Eagles are undefeated, obviously. They're looking to continue that stretch moving forward. Um, Thursday nights can get funky, but I think this Eagles team is legit in the NFC. Um, I don't know if they'll cover that 14-point spread. I would. I just think that's way too many points to be at home as an underdog like that. So if I were to bet the game, I would probably lean Texans, but I think the Eagles are going to still win it pretty handily. I just think that's a lot of points to cover, but... Uh, any thoughts on the game in general, Alex, before we wrap this up? 
Yeah, I normally default to the. I, I don't ha- know what the exact number is. I look it up before each season. I think it was like fifty eight percent going into this year. Um, the home team wins uh, uh, more than usual on Thursday night football. So I generally, generally default to the home team on Thursday night football. Not tonight. Not tonight. Yeah. That Eagles team's too good. Texans have nothing. They're debuting the red helmets. So that's it, it, unless that really yeah. gets them going. And I am looking forward to seeing the red helmets. Uh, big, big uniform night. Red helmets for the Texans. Philly's got the powder blues going in the World Series. Yep. Um, but I, I, I've got the Eagles tonight. I've got the Eagles pretty comfortably. I think they do the whole city of Philadelphia a favor and allow them to comfortably turn that game off at halftime and go go focus on the Phils, uh, who I also have tonight. Um, okay. I, I'm a little jealous, man. Like we've been, maybe I shouldn't say I'm jealous because I'm sure that there's a lot of sports fans who've never been in their shoes who are really yeah. jealous. Um, but I call it FOMO. I don't know. We've been, we've been we've in, seen in the it. shoes where, right. where Phillies fans are tonight, man. That's a good time. That's yeah, a it's awesome. good time. I hope they enjoy every second of it. Um, I'm going Philly, Philly tonight, both games. I, Oh, don't say it. I hate Philly, Philly. I hate oh, how they bring it up. I forgot that was the thing. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, I'm going, yeah. Okay, I'm going Philadelphia, Philadelphia. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I thank forgot. You. Oh God, you just unlocked. I had repressed yeah. it. That's why I said it because I it's forgot like, it was a thing, and now you've unlocked cringy. it in me. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, I am taking but, uh, the Eagles and the Phillies tonight. I think the Houston fanatics. wins nothing. Yeah. I think Houston. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I don't know if the Sixers or the Flyers are playing. I probably won't pick them. But in the two games that matter, I am taking Philadelphia. I like it. Um, I agree. I think. Sixers are playing tomorrow against the Knicks. That's uh, I'm not even gonna James Harden's out for a while too. Also, some breaking NBA news: uh, Kyrie Irving has been suspended, uh, no less than five games, uh, according to the Nets. So, uh, all I'm going to say to that is good because that's been that's been a whirlwind for uh, Brooklyn in general. But uh, so yeah, I agree. Philly, Philly, hate saying it, but I, I agree with you, Alex. I I I don't think. By the way, Flyers don't cover- play night either. They played last night, so it's just okay. those two. I, Again, I don't think Eagles cover 14, but I think they do win it by two possessions, whether it's 10, 11 points, but they'll they'll, they'll get it done. Jalen Hurts is a monster this year. Probably the leading MVP candidate right now. Sirianni has them going in the right direction. So uh, that's our take on Thursday Night Football. I think, uh, I think you know what, let's, let's, let's do this before we go because the last two Thursday Night Football games we've done, we've been against each other. But this time yeah. we're both on Philly, but I say Texans cover 14. Do you think – the Eagles cover. Four, do you think the Eagles win by fourteen plus? Nah, it's one of those nights. It's just right, one. So of, we're it, on the it's same Philly's page night. Okay. It's Philly's night. I I think that I I have like um, October 9th, two thousand and thirteen vibes, which is the oh, yeah. Kimbrell Tompkins game, and then the David Ortiz Grand Slam. Yeah. We're like, I feel like the Eagles win big, and then it's it. I think it's the Phillies that that you know leave them on the end of their seats till the end of the night. I think the Phillies. Sneak one out. Maybe it's extras. Maybe it's are, – are they in Philly tonight? Baseball? Uh, yeah, because the football game's in Houston, and they're in different cities. Yeah, so yes, okay. um, maybe it's a walk-off, extra innings. I don't know, whatever. Um, but I feel like – I don't know what the spread is in that game. I don't know if there are spreads for baseball. Um, do you have it there? There are, but it's weird. It's, do you I'm have looking it? at the I will, uh, I will fake parlay this year. I am going to take <laughs> the Eagles to cover – I'm going to take the Astros to cover, but the Phillies to win. Let's 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 think about this. <laughs> this is this is getting silly. Um, the it's not that the ridiculous. Phillies are underdogs. The Phillies are dogs. 
Oh, Philly's so, are okay. So yeah, I'm so taking Philly's I'm, money line, taking Philly's money line and Eagles and minus 14 Eagles minus 14. Yeah. All right. Do it. That's, that's Alex Bart's gambling advice here on the end of Patriots. See, uh, it's not it advice. That's what I'm doing. It's not <laughs> advice. It's just okay. what I'm doing. All right. Well, hypothetically, hypothetically, that's like how I think the night will play out. Fair enough. Well, you heard and again, it. Again, I think first, I'm folks. 0 for three on Thursday night picks. On yes. The show, yeah, so. you are. So this okay. again. So now we're technically against each other now because I have the Texans plus 14. Yeah. You have Eagles minus 14. So we duke it out again. Well, you got to pick the baseball game now. Uh, I like I like Philly, the Philadelphia okay. Phillies tonight. I think right. I, I think what happened last night to them with the the combined no hitter was. They, they need to get back at it. They've had that. That's been the series. There's been a big back and forth here. I think they get their bats going because when they're hot, those bats are insane. Uh, what they, right. what they have in Philly. So, uh, I'll take the Phillies as well in baseball, but, um, Oh, it's, it's, it's Philadelphia versus Houston in both games. Am I, did am you I just to realize party? that? I just, I just saw Texans and I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> look at that's that. The whole, you that's the whole thing. That's why I'm comparing both because you could take Houston and both and you could take you Philly and both. That's the whole, I was just, that's I was why too I focused on up. Philadelphia. That's no, the, the two games it's, it's linked. It's all linked. Wow. Who wants to root for Houston right now? Is there any reason to root for Houston? No, somebody's tired and that somebody is me, but it's Philly, Philly tonight. Uh, you heard it here first from me and Barth. Um, that's our Thursday night football preview. The Patriots, we we touched on all of it here, so you know, take a look, check it out. But uh, Patriots, welcome in the Colts this Sunday to Gillette Stadium. Me and Alex will both be there on site for some coverage. We'll be back here on Sunday night to break it down, and then we will also be back twice next week, Tuesday, Thursday, as usual, to break down this game. And we'll do a little bye week special on Thursday, probably as well. We'll uh, yeah. we'll figure out a schedule here going into the bye. But uh, be on the lookout. Follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth and read his stuff at 90FIThesportsHub.com. You can do the same for me. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Cadlick and read my stuff at CLNSMedia.com. I have a game breakdown preview. Um, hint, I have the Patriots covering five and a half and the total going over. So take a look at uh, the game preview there and tune in here on Patriots Press Pass for all of our Patriots coverage. 